Today's Bible reading is from Mark, starting in chapter 15, verses 42, through to chapter 16, verse 8. We will be reading the NIV version today. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So, as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will ro roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It's wonderful that we can meet together today to reflect on what is at the heart of the Christian message, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. As we begin, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for this weekend. But we thank you for the reality that we remember on this weekend. The fact that Jesus came into this world, willingly went to the cross and died so we can be confident about forgiveness and life for all eternity. Help us to reflect on these truths deeply as we look at your word today. Amen. On April the 1st, 2017, Coca-Cola pulled off one of the best April Fool's jokes of all time. The heading for their promotional thing online was this. It's liftoff for new Coca-Cola helium. Uh, classic Coke with a shot of carbonated helium. That was the promotion. Apparently it was perfect for parties because when consumed, the drinker's voice takes on a whole new high pitch. Kate Miller, uh, Coke's marketing manager, had her tongue firmly in her cheek when she put it this way. And we're delighted to be launching Coca-Cola Helium. It really inflates our range of drinks and lifts our fans' spirits. Popularity of Coca-Cola continues to balloon and this new variant is set to be a flyaway success. Now, needless to say, uh, Coca-Cola's, well, they're inundated with online requests for purchases of this new product. It was a clever but harmless and victimless sort of a joke. Now this weekend, it's estimated that there are around 4 billion people across the world who will be remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus. Of course, most of us will be doing it online because of the coronavirus. 
Is it the ultimate religious April Fool's joke? Uh, well, it all hinges on whether Jesus actually rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. If that didn't happen, then Christians are misguided and conned. Uh, we're, we're fools, in effect. That's what Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 15. It's not a victimless joke, uh, because Christians are also trying to persuade other people that they should believe this truth. Uh, what's, what's the reality? If it is true, let me say, it changes absolutely everything. Uh, Easter 2020 is going to be so different to anything else most of us have ever experienced before, and it's because of the virus. Around the world, the number of infected people grows, and the death toll is rising day by day. We're being faced with our mortality. Now, if Jesus rose from the dead, it doesn't remove the reality of death. But what it does do is it tells us there is one who controls death, who has actually beaten death. Jesus speaks powerfully and with authority when it comes to death and mortality. What I want to do for just a few moments is briefly look at Mark chapter 16. That was the part of the Bible that was just read for us before I started speaking. It picks up on the first witnesses who turn, turn up at the graveside of Jesus after his burial. Let's pick up the story together. Uh, three of Jesus' friends, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, they're heading to the graveyard on the Sunday after Jesus was killed. He's been buried for a couple of days after he was tortured and slaughtered on a cross. Now, when they get to the graveside, what are they expecting to find? Well, it's just after dawn, and in chapter 16, verse 1, we read, they had spices to anoint Jesus' body. Uh, they'd seen Jesus killed by the experts in execution, the Romans. Uh, they knew that he was dead. They watched it happen. You can look back at chapter 15 of Mark's Gospel and see the witnesses who, who were nearby. The centurion in chapter 15, verse 45, has confirmed that Jesus was dead. So when they arrive at the graveside, they expect to find dead Jesus. Now this was the case even though Jesus had said a number of times uh, on the way to, way to this moment in Jerusalem over the recent months that he was going to die and then rise again. Let me read to you from Mark chapter 8. He, Jesus, uh, he taught them that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Or in Mark chapter 9, he said, They will kill me and after three days I will rise. And again in Mark chapter 10, he said, Three days later I will rise. So when these three women, Jesus' friends, turn up a couple of days after he's been killed, why weren't they expecting him to be alive? Uh, I mean, even on the me and the one chance that what he said was going to happen, surely they'd turn up just, just with that possibility in mind. But they don't. Now why is that? Well, it's because dead people don't come back to life. They had no experience of that happening. They had no category for dead people arising. In other words, they're exactly the same as us. Uh, I, I experience more death than a lot of people because I'm a minister. I take funerals. Uh, I've taken numbers over the years. 
But can I say on the, the day when I turn up for a funeral, on the way there in the car, it never occurs to me to think, this might be the day when the dead person gets out of the coffin. Right? That has never occurred to me. And it's the same for the, the women here in this first century context. So what convinces them? What causes them uh, to change their minds? Well, when they arrive at the, the gravesite, they're wondering how the stone that's covered the uh, entrance to the cave where Jesus is buried, the tomb, they're wondering how that's going to get moved because it's so big and heavy. Uh, then that, chapter 16, verse 4, you read this. They saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And so they thought, Jesus must have risen from the dead. No. I didn't think that at all. Uh, they actually go inside and they see a young man sitting to one side and we're told they were scared. Verse 6. He said to them, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Uh, the young man said Jesus was crucified and the women in their own minds are going, Tick. Yep, that's absolutely right. <laughs> we saw him killed. We know he was slaughtered. But then he goes on and he says, Jesus has risen. And I think at this point the women are thinking, we don't get that at all. <laughs> they just don't understand what he's saying. And that's obvious because if they'd actually believed Jesus was going to rise from the dead and that was possible, they would never have been here in the first place. Back in chapter 14, verse 28 of Mark's Gospel, Jesus told his friends, and this was just a few hours before his death, he said, after I'm raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. Now, Galilee was about two or three days' journey from Jerusalem. So here we are on the Sunday following Jesus' death, and where are the women? Well, they're in Jerusalem. And the reason they're in Jerusalem is because they didn't believe Jesus was going to rise from the dead and meet them in Galilee. But this guy in the tomb, he says to them, he's going, that is Jesus, he's going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him just as he told you. Now, this could have been just a little bit embarrassing. The guy is reminding them that Jesus has already told them that this was going to happen. But they are just clueless. All Jesus' friends are. They turn up at the chemicals, to anoint his dead body. And Mark actually finishes his account at this point. The absence of Jesus, but the assurance that they're going to meet him again. And of course they did. Uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the New Testament, it talks about the hundreds of people who actually saw Jesus and met him after he was raised from the dead. If you look at the other Gospels, there you see Jesus meeting his friends after he's risen from the dead. Jesus rose. It was unexpected. It was unique. But there's evidence to support it. But I want to say to you today that it wasn't just a clever trick. It wasn't just something to be impressed by. On the 21st of July, 1969, I was watching television. Now, I know that because it was the day when Neil Armstrong became the first man to walk on the moon. I was at school with my class and we witnessed it on television. 
But I want to say to you that it didn't really change my life. Impressive. We were amazed as uh, school children. We applauded, but then we just moved on. When it comes to Jesus' resurrection from the dead, you don't just clap and move on. Let me talk to you for a few moments about what this means. Firstly, Jesus' resurrection confronts us with the raw power of God. Let me pick up again on how the women react to this news about Jesus in Mark chapter 16. It's verse 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They were terrified. They've just been told Jesus is alive. Uh, are they delighted? Are they excited at the possibility of going and meeting him? Now what we're told is they are overwhelmed and, and don't quite know what to make of it. As you read through Mark's Gospel or actually any of the accounts of Jesus, this, this reaction to Jesus is quite common. If we went back to Mark chapter 4, uh, there Jesus is on a boat with his disciples. They're on an inland sea right in the middle, a place where storms could just sweep in with, it, with just a moment's notice. The disciples, they're experienced fishermen, and a storm just breaks in on the boat and they are scared witless. And what Jesus does at the disciples' request, he actually stands up and he speaks to the storm like you or I might talk to a pet dog. And he says to this storm, quiet, be still. And the wind and the waves, they just die down to nothing. But then listen to the reaction of his disciples afterwards. It's chapter 4, verse 41. They were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, what's scarier to be caught in a life-threatening storm or to be on a boat with a guy who can control nature? Right now, the coronavirus has swept the whole world and the count just keeps climbing. At the time of filming, there are roughly 1.5 million people who've been infected worldwide and close to 100,000 people have died. None of us in living history have ever experienced a pandemic that swept the globe like this. Uh, it's been devastating. And even with all the, the social distancing and social isolation, uh, with the, the attention to hygiene and uh, the fact that the curve has been flattened, it, it just feels like this is a virus that has somewhat unstoppable inertia. But of course that's the nature of death, whether it's um, COVID-19 or cancer or old age. Eventually death is going to roll over the top of every single person on this planet, and that'll include you and me. And what we discover here is that Jesus has defeated it. We get this window into the absolute power of God. And it spells hope beyond the grave. But you know, also it's meant to send a shiver down your spine, 
uh, to know that this is the God that we're dealing with. Second thing I just want to emphasize is the fact that Jesus' resurrection means that our relationship with God can be sorted out. In Mark chapter 16, I don't know if you picked it up, but the messenger at the tomb, he says this to the women. Go tell his disciples and Peter that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him. His disciples and Peter. Now I thought Peter was one of the disciples. Actually, he is one of the disciples. So why the special mention? Back in Mark chapter 14, uh, it's from verse 29 following, just before Jesus' death, there's a conversation that's recorded between Jesus and Peter. Listen to it. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, he's speaking to Peter, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself would, will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And then just a few hours later, Jesus is on trial and Peter is in a crowd outside just waiting for the verdict. And this is what happens. When the servant girl saw Peter there, she said to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And again, because this is the second time actually here, he's denied it. And again, Peter denied it. After a little while, those standing near Peter said to him, surely you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. And Peter began to call down curses on himself. And he swore to them, I don't know this man that you're talking about. And then immediately the rooster crowed a second time. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And Peter broke down and wept. Friends, at this point he is a shattered man, full of guilt and self-loathing and the man in the tomb he says to to the women he says go tell his disciples and peter uh, in jesus hour of need peter has turned his back uh, but this man says go tell peter that he is forgiven that there is hope and it's not just Peter that this message is for. Jesus went to the cross to die, to take the punishment for all sin, for all people. Uh, he took on himself the punishment that you and I deserve uh, so that uh, we could hear and your name. That is, you could know, I could know that we can be forgiven, restored with God. Because what we have We've got an isolation going on to do with the pandemic. But our biggest problem is that we're isolated in our relationship from God. And the only way that can be restored is through forgiveness. The forgiveness that Jesus offers because he's gone to the cross. And that's what we're witnessing here. Jesus rose from the dead and demonstrated his power over sin, 
and its cousin, death. Now, I, I don't pre pretend to know what's in your heart. Uh, I don't know your hidden secrets or uh, the guilt that you store away or the way that you might have sidelined God in your life. But the risen Jesus, he doesn't just say, and Peter, he calls your name as well. And Jesus has authority to forgive your sins and to restore your relationship with God. Friends, this weekend uh, we remember an extraordinary event. I can remember some years ago going trekking in the South Island of New Zealand and I uh, came across the Franz Joseph Glacier. First time I'd seen a glacier and as I walked up the valley to this glacier that was on the move at the time, being fed from snow up high, this river of ice was just powering down uh, this valley and I could hear it grinding its way uh, over the riverbed. And as I got up close, I was just overwhelmed by the sheer size of this wall of ice and the fact that ice cubes were falling off the front of it as big as houses. I just felt so small and dwarfed. Friends, right now I think many of us are so aware of our vulnerability in the face of a virus. But you know, even if we dodge the coronavirus, all of us will still die. But by rising from the dead, Jesus has promised the potential for victory over death. You and I, we will see him. That's what the women were told. He, Jesus, is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they did. Friends, but each one of us will see him too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2, we're told that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us are going to give account to the living Lord Jesus. How does that make you feel? Uh, it seems to me it might make you feel quite fearful. God has awesome power and authority and we're accountable for the way in which we've treated him. And maybe the thought of standing before the Lord Jesus Christ and having your whole life exposed generates a level of deep concern, a shiver down your spine. Can I say now's the time to turn to him and to claim the forgiveness that he offers you and the life that you can have for all eternity. But also can I say, knowing that Jesus has risen from the dead is meant to give us confidence and security we, we live in a world that's just so full of anxiety and concern, uh, uncertainty, and underlying all that is the, the threat of death that has really come upon us. But friends, if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has been raised from the dead, then you have rock-solid security and confidence and hope, both now and for the future. And my prayer for you is that you'll know that profoundly as we reflect on these truths this Easter. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are the one who has raised your son from death to life. Uh, through that, you've proven uh, that you have the power and authority to forgive sins. 
uh, that you have the power and authority to raise us from the dead as well. Father, we know there's, there's a day of accountability coming. We pray that we'll hide ourselves in the shadow of uh, Jesus' cross, his death for us, so that we might have forgiveness. So on that day, we can stand confidently before you, secure in the relationship we have because of all you've done for us through your son. Father, we thank you that you've guaranteed that through raising him from the dead. Uh, help us to live, even in a world of insecurity and uncertainties, with rock-solid hope and confidence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.